Lord, praise God in the sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heaven, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his passing grace. This, the last of the Psalms, concludes with, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. As you're able, please rise and join us as we open our worship with praise. Isaiah said, if you're willing, may obey, you'll feast like kings. But if you're willful and stubborn, you'll die like dogs. That's right. God says so. Once again, as you're able, please rise and join us as we continue our worship. Every praise, every praise is to our God. 
7. The words are written by John H. Sammet, and the music came from Daniel B. County. The scriptural basis for this hymn is John 8, 31. If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciple. Verse 32 goes on to say, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Father God, we just want to thank you for the privilege that we have to trust you and obey you. For the many blessings that you provide for us and the joys that we share in this life. I just pray, Lord, for this congregation as they have given their gifts to you, Lord. Receive them as offerings of their gratitude and joy in their lives because of what you've given them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's become before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just give you praise and glory and thanksgiving for the privilege that we have to bring all our concerns, our worries, and our thoughts before your throne. We bring our world to you and our nation. Uh, Lord, you know what's going on when even the people who are supposed to be in the know don't. You have it. And we thank you for your sovereign rule over the world and the majesty that you reign from on high. We know there are purposes and reasons why you allow things to go on. We know we're living in a part of a fallen world where hatred and strife and um, grave disagreement arise. I pray, Father God, that as we look forward to your coming and for the great reign that you will have in the kingdom that we shall live in, it will be such a wonderful relief. But also, too, Lord, right now, as we live in this world, Lord, help us to continue to battle for the truth for what is right, Lord, and that people will see the truth and it can be setting them free. We pray for those that we know that do not know you, Christ. We ask you, Lord, that they will uh, have an opportunity, that we'll have an opportunity to share with them and open, Lord, that you'll open their hearts to see the joy that they can have in knowing you, Christ. I pray also, too, for those of us who struggle in battle with some of the things that are going on in our world. I just pray for those who especially protect us, uh, both the military and the police and fire and EMS and all the work they do and the emergency room workers and the hospitals and all that, Lord, we are so privileged in this country to have. And Lord, now I pray especially uh, too for our family. I wanna pray especially for um, Sharon, um, who lost her brother this week and 
has grief in her heart and their family, Lord. I just pray that you lift them and give them peace. I pray for Mary and for Joyce, who both are struggling with their backs, and Lucille. And for Kay, who's struggling to try to find an answer to what's going on in her body. I pray also, too, for Howard uh, and the brain tumor that he has and his wife, Betty. Uh, Lord, I just pray for healing for her leg. I pray also, too, Father God, for um, Officer Kyle, who was shot in the mouth uh, several weeks ago now and as he's rehabbing. I pray that his mouth will be able to be formed again and that he can speak and talk clearly. I pray also, too, for a teacher up in Hutch that my kids have been coached by and my son has worked with and uh, had a very bad um, accident on a golf cart and may be paralyzed. I just pray for his healing, too. I pray also, too, for Mitch and his wife, Michelle Abres, missionaries, and for her, especially in fighting the COVID and things are not going well, Lord, we pray for your healing for her and that she can be restored. We pray also, too, for those that we know that are battling um, addictions. I think of Ryan and Jordan and Dave and Brady and Eric and Ricky for those and for Mitch, um, for Mitch both with his addiction and also his cancer. Just bring healing to him. I pray also too for my brother. I'm just grateful for what you did in his situation that they found out that he had a blockage and that they were able to put a stent in and he's doing well. I pray for continued blessing on his life as he ministers to the students that he ministers to and for the way he uh, is an elder in his church, just continue to use him. And I thank you personally to be able to still have him around. And Lord, now uh, hear our words as we speak to, from your word. May they be everlasting thoughts in our memories and help us, Lord, in understanding about what we need to know in our lives. And that everybody here today will go away with something that will help them, that will encourage their faith and their walk with you, Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you imagine what it would be like if our lives were like a TV show? And that all of a sudden we get from God, the sponsor of the show, a message. You know, TV has been on now for 70 years. And it's interesting how God, sometimes like TV, we have those irritating commercials. And there, now it's interesting that because of we have these fancy TV sets that can pass through them very quickly, if you notice on um, some of the shows, especially like American Idol, on their podium where they sit behind, there's, for instance, cups of Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola is spending $6 million a season to have those Coke cups there to remind people because they're missing their advertisements. Well, how many of us can remain? You know, I have people who say to me, well, I can't memorize scripture. But how many of us remember advertisements? For instance, it takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Now, that's an old one. And that's a Timex. How many of us remember the all that you can be? The army. Or think about it, melts in your mouth, not in your hands. <laughs> You're all mouthing <laughs> what they are. And plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. Yeah, Alka-Seltzer. And about Carl Malden, who says, don't leave home without it. American Express. Well, we all understand and we see the power of advertising. But every once in a while, God enters in the scene. In fact, that's what he's done with Israel. And now a message from our sponsor, God, who sponsors life. And what we find here is so interesting that he intercedes in our lives. Now, advertising started out with Bulova, the first advertisement on TV that was a 30, it was a 10 second slot and they sold it for $4. Now at the Super Bowl, if you pay for 30 seconds, it's a $3 million bill. 
That's how powerful advertising is. And it's gone from a 30-minute show, rather than being four minutes, it's nine minutes of advertising to get your attention. Well, today God intervenes in Judah's life and gives him an advertisement, a big one. If you remember, last week we were talking about Judah and what she had done. The Bible says to us through the prophet Isaiah that he spoke both to Judah in the time that she was in and then also the hope that they have 700 years later when Christ would come. And what, Jesus, what the Bible reminds us of is that we're to be dependent on God and have faith in him. Ahaziah, if you remember, God sent Isaiah to go see him, Ahaz, the, 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 uh, the king. And what Ahaz did is he act real religious and pious. Because Isaiah said, now you need to ask a sign from the Lord that you're to follow him and not have any other one and have him protect you. But Ahaz pulled a religious experience and said, oh no, I could never tempt God and ask him for a sign, even though Isaiah was gonna give the sign. Instead, he said, I'm, I just trust God. Well, in reality was he was lying to the prophet. He had already set an alliance up with Assyria because he was afraid of Syria and he was afraid of Israel and he thought Assyria would protect him. And what Assyria did, of course, they annihilated annihilated Syria and then they annihilated Israel of the north and Judah was next. And because he thought that he had Assyria protecting him, he was good. But Assyria ran them over too and, and took out everything from them. And instead of receiving the word from the Lord and trusting God, his kingdom went down. And the tragedy of it all is Isaiah, in the part that we read last week, God was predicting to him. What was going to happen? There was going to come judgment and there were going to be woes that were poured out. And we see that in this prophecy, the woes. He says, woe to those who decree unrighteous deeds. Woe to Assyria, who he was making an alliance to. Woe to the, rebel- the pride and crown of Ephraim, which was the northern part of Israel that had been split. And they were acting so ungodly and that they were run over. And then finally, he says, woe to the rebellious children of Judah. And they devised and they made plans and Ahaz did. And he did not rely on God, but he relied on his own wisdom. But even in the midst of all this, all this rebellion, all this sin, God provides his grace and lets them know that he loves them and still going to be by their side and help them. Therefore, the Lord himself gave a sign. And what's that sign? A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. and His name shall be called Emmanuel. And that word means God is with you. And Ahaz and Judah, God's going to be with you. No matter what you go through, God will be with you. And then again, the child shall be given his son and given his name. Name will be wonderful counselor. Again, he's telling them that God will reign over this. And he predicts 700 years later what Jesus coming to earth will help us and overcome our sin. And it's at this point... The Bible begins to speak, and we go to chapter 40. And right after Judah had been run over by Assyria, the prophet Isaiah now speaks to them. And he says to them, even though you sinned, even though you rebelled against me and I had to bring this devastation on you, and it's ripped you out, I still love you. And I care about you. It was once a rich society. But because of her rebellion, she had become refugees. They were deported. And they were, city of Jerusalem was in ruins. Here this beautiful temple that was built for the Lord God, God even allowed to be ruined. Because he loved them more. than his reputation was willing to let them suffer so that they would see the truth of his love. A powerful society they were. They had a king. They had an army. They had it all. And yet now they're weak and helpless without an army. Without even a home of a nation. And they were a great society. But because of their rebellion, 
God brought judgment upon them. But look at what the Bible says. God's not finished with them. When you're his child, when Israel was his child, he loves them. And look what he says to the prophet Isaiah, how to talk to them some hundred years later. He says, comfort, oh comfort my people. Say to your God, speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that our warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed and that she receive of the Lord's hand double for her sins. Look at the voice that he brings. He tells Isaiah first, tell them their pardon for their sin. All the sins that they committed, all the rebellion that they did, I have taken them and thrown it into the sea and that they're forgiven. Yes, I had to chase them to wake them up. But now they're forgiven. Then he says, secondly, a voice calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth the desert a highway. And what the prophets to tell these folks is they have a future with God. God hasn't thrown them away. He still loves them. But they needed to wake up and smell the coffee. And the way he did it was through this ruthless challenge. But he still has a plan for them and for our lives. And then he gives them this wonderful promise. That the grass wither, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Assyria is out of the picture now. And Babylon will be out of the picture. Those are things that fade in this life. But remember this, the word of the Lord stands forever. And there will come a peace that he brings. Look at what he says, like a shepherd who will tend his flock in his arms, he will gather them and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead them with nursing ewes. And what he's saying, that all that past I've forgiven and you're still mine and you will live in peace because I will be your peacemaker. And like us, he's defeated our sin on the cross. And that we don't have to live with the guilt and the pain and the sin that we have created in our own lives that he's forgiven and released us from. And then he wants us to understand. He wants us to understand that God is greater than anything on earth. Anything in heaven. And that no circumstance needs to bind us down. No wrong that we do have to live in it forever. In fact, God forgives us. And he comes. He knows us personally and wants the best for us. But there's an important recipe in this. And that we need to follow his way and trust him. Trust him fully. And that's hard. Even when we don't know how it's going to work out. Last night, I got a text from a friend. He's a missionary. And the wonderful thing about him, he loves the Lord. His wife loves the Lord. They're 30 years old. A bunch of kids. But his wife got COVID. And because of the COVID, she went into the hospital and is in ICU. And last night, he got a call from the doctors that her organs are shutting down and she's dying and that he needed to get back to the hospital now during the day they decided not to let any children in but him and so he went and then his uh, younger daughter's 14 years old got bold enough and went to some construction workers so that she could see her mom and they put a a hard hat on her and a, a vest And she went up on the roof to see her mother from her room. That's how much she loves her mom. And I got a word that uh, she's still alive, but all her organs are shutting down. And Mitch wrote in that uh, thing on Facebook, he said, I don't know how this is gonna turn out, but I trust that God knows what the best thing is for us and I'm trusting him with her. 
I pray that he will heal her. But if not, she'll experience the ultimate healing. And we know that the Lord will carry our family through this. You see, that is the faith that trusts this God. That he's the source. That he knows better than us. And that is the tough times. We've all been through it. There have been things that have happened in our lives. It's hard to come to that point and say, I trust you, God, no matter what you say, no matter what I'm going through, I will trust you, God. And that's because he's the source. You see, Israel didn't understand that. Still, at that moment, Judah was still arguing with God why he took them into and pulled them out of Judah and scattered them abroad. They still had not learned a lesson. They had still not learned a lesson to trust him. But instead, look at what Isaiah says to them. Have you not known? Have you not heard? See, they didn't still understand God. And I know there are times in my life that I've questioned God. And I've struggled with it. But look what he says. He says, he's the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or nor is he weary. He under, his understanding is unsearchable. And I know that. But sometimes this has a hard time getting to here. And this is what the Jews were struggling with, with what happened to them in, in Judah. And what we find here is he's reminding us of who God is. And that God is the source and the stabilizer of everything. I remember eight months ago, I went to my doctor. And the nurse put her fingers on and is checking my pulse and says, hmm? she calls the assistant in and they come. My cardiologist comes in and says, well, Dave, here's the deal. My nurse tells me your heartbeats at the resting stage are 32 a minute. That's not good. <laughs> he says, well, we're going to have to put in a pacemaker. And what we'll do is we'll hook it in your heart. And these are new fancy little deals. And you just hook in your heart and it's going to keep you level at 60. Well, okay, whatever, as long as I can still go. I'm good to go. And that's what we need. We need the source who helps us go. And this is what Isaiah is saying to these people. The everlasting God. He's the one who will sustain us. He's the source. Job, and, and, and this source is sometimes will challenge us. I was reading about a book written by a guy by the name of Joe Bailey, pastor. This talks about Psalms of life. And one day he was putting books in the boxes and he noticed on one box it has a seal on it. And on that seal it says bursting limit, 200 pounds. And as he was there, he was praying to the Lord and he says, you know, Lord, I wonder, sometimes I wonder and I doubt you, forgive me for that. Because I think sometimes I feel like you've made me beyond my bursting limit. You've put too much inside my box. And Joe Bailey, as a pastor, knows what it's like for loss. Him and his wife had three boys. One boy died at two. His second boy died at five. And his third son died at 18 in a car wreck. And there are moments he said, you know, Lord, I don't understand, but I know and I trust that you're the everlasting God and that you know what I need. You know my path and I trust you and I want to trust you more because you're the everlasting God. That everlasting God, when we talk about the everlasting God, 
It's like in math, you know, you draw that line and you got the two arrows that keep on going. He's beyond that. He's beyond infinity. In fact, this God has no deficiency. He has no decay. He doesn't change. In fact, James says that there's no variation in his character. And when we have a problem, he already knows it. He sees it. He has the power to change it and directs it. And we don't know why he does what he does sometimes. But he doesn't need any warranties on him because he never runs out of gas. He never grows weary, the Bible says here. He doesn't get tired. He has no limits on his energy. No one can understand that. And that he neither faints or no grows weary. And his understanding is unsearchable. He's never stumped by my problems or yours. He's never baffled by our questions. He's never confused like we are. We don't know sometimes, but he knows. And that's, he is beyond the depths of our understanding. And when we have these things happen to us, we wonder why. And we may not know on this side of eternity, but he knows. Because he has no beginning, no end. His understanding is unsearchable. As Jesus told the Pharisees and got upset because he said, I am, I'm this God. And from our perspective, when we see things happen, we see them in the course of events that follow one after other in their succession. It's like a chain that has links on it and they just continue to go. That's not the way God sees it. God is so far beyond that. When he says he's eternal, that he sees our past, he sees our present, and he sees our future all at the same time. His perspective is beyond what you and I can see. We only can see here and now. He sees it all in one shot in his now. That's what eternity means. And he understands. When, when Peter says a thousand years is his one day and one day is a thousand, that's the way God's perspective is. And he's not surprised when things happen to us. He's the one who created the world. He knows exactly the order he wants it to go in. And that one of the things this tells us is that he cares for us. He cares for you and for me and our little, you know, the deist said that God set it into motion and just let it go on. That's not the God we're serving here. The God that we know knows exactly everything about you, even the little pieces of cells that make you up. He knows each and every cell and that he cares about you and that he's got a plan for you and for me. We may be confused about that plan. We may not understand it. We have things that happen to us just to throw us in a tizzy. But guess what? He knows what he's doing. And he knows what he's doing with you and with me. His plans are sure. His plans are steady. And they're the best for you and for me. Even though we may disagree with that. He's not rattled by that. And notice what the Bible says here. His understanding is unsearchable. He knows why those things have happened to you. He's even aligned them to happen to you so that his understanding is unsearchable to refine you and define you as a brother or sister in Christ. And notice what the Bible says here. He supplies you with what you need. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases the strength. Here's the Judah, Judah, people of Judah are, feel like everything's gone. They've lost everything. Like the people that are in the fire out in California or down south. Everything's gone. And yet it says to those who have no might, he increases their strength. 
Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the among men shall utterly fall. He knows exactly what you need, and he wants you to trust him. And that those times when you're fatigued, he'll even give you the strength. Tom Landry used to say that to his cowboys, that fatigue makes cowards of us all. And that's why you've got to work out so that you're ready for the fourth quarter. You can go the distance. Trees get fatigued. Metals get fatigued. They can no longer be used. Cars. And we get fatigued. Just when I need him most, the, bio, the, the author said of the hymn, Jesus is near, just when I falter, just when I fear. Ready to help me, ready to cheer, just when I need him most. God knows how you feel. I get a kick out of this line. He says, even the youth shall faint and be weary. <laughs> I think when my grandkids come over and they want to play home run derby, and you know who winds up picking up all the balls? The basket of balls? Poppy. And they're all ready. Come on, Poppy, let's go. I got to hit one more time. Or we have to go in. And I'm exhausted. And they're ramping up, ready to go. Oh, we'll help you. And they're running all over the place. And then I get a kick out of when my son gets them in the car and they're about halfway up Mays Road to K96. And he takes a picture and they're all out like lights. See, we run out of gas. God doesn't. He has it all. And even when we're weary, he picks us up and he carries us and gives us the strength. But, and here's the deal. There's a caveat to it. There's a stipulation. And that's when he comes and says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How many of us like to wait? <laughs> My son-in-law works on the east side and the other day there was an accident. And what usually takes him 20 minutes took him an hour. How many times do we like it when we go into the grocery store and we're standing on line, waiting in line, and the person who's been standing in front of us for the last five minutes decides now when the checkers there standing before them to find their credit card and they can't find it. And you're like, or they're bringing out a checkbook and they can't find the checkbook and they got this purse that's bigger than a suitcase. And they're looking and looking and saying, why? And you're saying, why didn't you do that five minutes ago while we're standing in line? You see, how many would like holding and waiting for a doctor's appointment or for a spouse or for a baby to be born? Waiting is that process that we don't like. And sometimes it's a scary time. I remember when my wife was pregnant with my second, our second child. And her legs started blowing up. And the doctor said, um, this doesn't look good. No kidding. Her leg was a balloon, just the one leg. And he said, well, it could be a clot. We need to get you to get a sonogram, okay? Right away. Well, right away in my mind is, I'm driving her right over. Well, we tried to get you an appointment in, in a week. We're gonna get you the sonogram. <laughs> well, we finally got there, and I'm thinking all that time of waiting the doctor said to us before we left, he said, well, you know, see, the problem with this is if it's a, a clot and it breaks loose, it could go to her brain and kill her. And we're waiting a week for this to happen? Hmm. So we prayed and whatnot. And sure enough, we get there. 
no doctor there, just a tech. And the tech does the sonogram, and she said, well, I can't tell you. The doctor has to talk to you. And she said, don't worry about it. Well, that's helpful. Why are you telling us not to worry? Well, three days later, we see the doctor. And he says, the baby's so big that he's laying on your wife's artery, and she's got to just move. And so she was sleeping in odd positions for the next several weeks in order so that the, my son who just walked out was not laying on this artery. And you know, waiting there, that was a challenge. It was tough. But you see, God uses that waiting to refine us. God uses those times like he did with Judah and Jerusalem, waiting so that they could grow. You see, when we're waiting on the Lord, that doesn't mean nothing's happening. When we're waiting on the Lord, things are happening in us. We're learning to have patient trust in God, even though it's not coming the way we want it. We're learning to wait on his way. Sometimes, it's like my daughter, she has a beautiful garden. And we're waiting for the fruit to be born or the vegetables to come. But during that time of waiting, there's a time also that you need to be weeding. And sometimes, when God causes us to wait, it's a good time for us to self-reflect and look at our lives and pull those weeds that are growing inside of our hearts that are trying to choke us with doubt about God and have more faith in God. Because in those moments, God is reminding me especially that I'm not in control. And I don't like that. I like to be in control. I like to be knowing what's going on and being in control of the factors. But it's during those moments when I have no grip. I learn that I am not in control. I realize that I'm less in control than I think I'm in control of. And that God is in control. And he's working his work. And I need to be working on Dave to trust him by faith. Especially when I don't see changes. And that I remind myself that, Dave, you're not God. He's God. And what is he trying to teach you, Dave, as you wait for these things? While you're waiting for God to do his work. That is the truth. So that when we wait, look at what David said. David had to wait many times in his career. My soul waits in silence for God only. Only God. For he's my salvation. See, he promises to renew our strength. He wants to give us the strength as we go through it and give us the faith that as we go through these things that we see it from a different perspective. Why does he say that you will mount up on wings as eagles so that we begin to get our perspective not off this focused little piece that we're struggling with, but that we see it from God's eternal perspective and see why he's doing these things in our life and what is the purpose in figuring out how do I need to change to align myself more with God. That he'll give me the strength so that when I run, I'm not wearied. He'll give me that strength that's renewed so that I, even under the pressures, I don't give up and lose my faith. That I don't faint, but he gives me stability as I walk through him. And I trust him, and I'm obedient. See, one of our greatest problems is that we need to look to God who is sufficient and not dwell on our own self-sufficiency. And that's very difficult to do, to have that kind of faith. And our greatest re danger is to resist 
the work of God that he's doing in our hearts when those crises come. And he's learning to trust. We're learning to trust him even more than we ever have. And to have the ability to trust him so that he can exchange those weaknesses in eyes for strength. Sometimes I know each one of you have felt this. You've gone through or are going through a circumstances and you're just weary. I know that you've been discouraged. I know there have been times that you've been confused to figuring out what are you doing, God? It's in those times that he wants to give us the strength. He wants to renew us. But it's hard. It means letting go of ourselves to the power of God and trust him. You see, the issue isn't our problems. The issue is our view of God and our relationship with God and trusting him. This past week, on Sunday night, I received a text from a gal who used to come to our church and we've stayed in contact because of the circumstance that I'm going to share with you. Her husband got a job in Boston, but then they wound up he could work from his home because of COVID and they live way out on the east side now. And about in 2019, well, two years before that, her son came to visit me. Good-looking young black man. And he was struggling through a few things, and we talked about it, and he talked about this very thing, about trusting God. And that day he was in my office, he accepted Christ in his heart. And things seemed to be getting better. Well, in 2019, he was helping a guy out, even let him live with him for a while. And um, they had, the roommate began to have problems and he was taking it out on this young man. And one night, they got into an argument out in the Dillon's parking lot on Rock Road East. And this young man tried to pull him out of the car because he didn't want him back until he was sober. And afterwards, seemed everything was fine. And as they were walking to McDonald's, this one fellow sucker punched without him knowing anything. He got hit and he hit his head on the ground and uh, was out while this man jumped on top of him and it went on. Well, after two weeks, they had to pull the plug on his son, her son and the son of this couple. And uh, the young son died and they asked, I got a call from her on a Sunday night. Pastor Dave, would you do Haley's funeral? Yep, I will. I'd be glad to. And I had heard this was going on and I had gone to see him before he died and saw the family. Well, Sunday night, a week ago, I got a text from her. Pastor Dave, the trial's starting tomorrow. And uh, I went on Wednesday when they were doing the final summation and sat with the family. And you hear two sides of the story that the lawyers are telling. And you know how that is. And to be able to sit with them and to pray that God will bring justice and also the ability for forgiveness and the loss of his child 
23 years old, full of life, full of hope. And that God will give them the strength as they wait on him that he'll renew their strength. That they will be able to mount up on those wings. That they'll run and not be weary and to walk and not faint. And I know losing a child in any circumstances, but especially in that kind of circumstances, is so overwhelming. But I know that God is working in them and he's helping them in that because they're waiting on the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we just pray right now. As we come before you, Lord, we know that you promise to give us the strength when we wait on you. I pray that, Lord, as we go through these things in life, that we can see you as the eternal God, our eternal lover, the one who stands by us and strengthens us, and that we can have that ability to be obedient no matter what the circumstances are, that we can be true to you because you see it all and you know exactly what we need. We thank you today, Lord, for this provision that as we wait upon you, you will help us to see it from your perspective, that you will help us run and not be weary, that we will walk and not faint, but that we can truly walk through these circumstances, not fearful, not apprehensive, not angry, not hateful, but forgiving and loving as Jesus would. Help us to have that kind of strength that only you can provide as we trust you by faith. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Please rise for the benediction and as we sing our closing song. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God your Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever.